0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show that George Lucas, Burgess Meredith, and of course, Charles Strauss don't (laughs) want you to hear. It's Monkeys and Playbills.
1: That's Paul DeGers.
0: That's Jillian Willems. This is Monkeys and Playbills, the show where we discuss Broadway musicals that had runs of 100 performances or fewer on Broadway, not counting previews.
1: And what the heck happened?
0: And sometimes... We come across shows that don't have enough archived content for us to do a full hour-long episode on them, but they still need to be talked about. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, these musicals are legendary flops. They're arcane little bits of history, mm-hmm. and they're quite frankly kind of bananas.
1: Uh, kinda.
0: Kind of <laughs> bananas. That's Is a, that a? King that's Kong a, that's joke? a. That's a call. A call forward to one I, of the shows we're going to talk I about this love episode.
1: It. <laughs> We, so today we've chosen three new obscure flops. Absolutely. We are going to start back in time to 1950.
0: So just to remind everyone who's joining and anyone who's joining us for the first time, for these minisodes, I, Paul de have not <laughs> looked up any kind of plot details <laughs> mm-hmm. or historical context, but I've studied... The cast list, the song list, the composers, the book writer collected any information that I can around the content of the show Mm -hmm. and formed my opinions solely based on that.
1: And I have tried to find accurate synopses and uh, information about uh, why that show happened at all, when it happened, and what else was going on at the time.
0: These are the episodes that are sure to make you a big hit at your next Broadway trivia night. <laughs> so, what's our first show, Jill?
1: We are going to cover 1950s. Happy as Larry. Yes. <laughs> Happy as Larry never had previews at the Coronet Theater. Probably not unusual for the time, though. I, I think would so. Say. I think
0: that's a sign of the times. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: It opened on January sixth. 1950, and closed January 7th, 1950, oh. after three performances. They squeezed three in there. Oh. That's great, a matinee.
0: That was two That was two dates. So yep. that was one two-show day and then one show day. Yeah,
1: <laughs> gorgeous. Put a nice little bow on it. Absolutely. Okay, so Paul, as you mentioned before, you've sort of actively tried to avoid the synopsis. Correct. But based on the limited information you could find... I would love for you to take a crack at what this might be about.
0: Okay, here's what I know. There is very little detailing Happy As Larry as the piece existed, other Mm -hmm. than I'm sure some of the stuff that you found. Famously, it was never recorded, a recording was never made. Um, So what does this music sound like? I'm not sure. The music's <laughs> by Misha and Wesley Portnoff. Mm-hmm. I believe they're a husband and wife team. Mm. If I had to guess, maybe they're a brother and sister team. Oh, um, sure. They didn't, um, they did um, very little as far as Broadway music goes. Right. After this. The other big thing is that this both starred and was staged by Burgess Meredith. <laughs> um, as we all know, both starring and directing the show that you're in is a excellent choice.
1: It's a very good idea, very it's good a surefire idea. way to be a hit. We've learned this in our last mini-sode.
0: That said, if anyone can do it, it is legendary, both Broadway film and TV actor, Burgess Meredith. Mm-hmm. Look him up, I guarantee you know him from something. For me, it was the 1960s Batman TV series. Um, I'm a big, uh, big Batman nerd, and he <laughs> plays the penguin. And that's pretty cool. Absolutely legendary. So what I have, what I have been able to find is a song list and a character list. So here's what, based on this information, I would like to start this conversation by Mm -hmm. speculating wildly about what Happy as Larry might be about. Great. So I know that we have characters including eight tailors.
1: (laughs) They're all the tailors
0: are named The first tailor, the second tailor, the third tailor, all the way up to the eighth tailor. I know there's a character named Seamus, a character named the widow. Mm um, Because,
1: again, we don't name women or...
0: Well, we'll get to that because there's also a character named Larry, also played by Burgess Meredith. Right. And I have to assume it's his wife who's named Mrs. Larry. (laughs) 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 There's also Fates. Yes, that's right. um, Like they've a bunch of characters that have, it seems like, Greek names or something like that. And there's also a bunch of, yeah, I've got a song list, as I said. So we've got songs with names like Opening, No One Loves Me, um, Without a Stitch, sung by the Taylors, obviously. Oh, sure. Yeah. Three Old Ladies from Hades.
1: Oh, probably Um, The Fates.
0: If we had to guess. If we had to assume. Um, We have The Flatulent Ballad. No. Yes. I can't wait. That's in Act Two. Um, (laughs) Along with um, Double Murder, Double Death, He's a Bold Rogue, and the Tobacco Blues.
1: Wow.
0: So, if I had to guess, yeah, here we if go. If I had to speculate, it seems like this is possibly a star vehicle for uh, Mr. Meredith.
1: Yeah, that's a safe bet.
0: Given that he staged it, he's the only director listed. It, sta- it says mm-hmm. staged, not directed by, but he's the only force in that regard. Yeah, and stars as Larry. I would assume that Larry um, has a pair of pants that don't fit because these um, he keeps on going to tailors.
1: Yeah, like he can't stop.
0: Yep, he's um, he goes to eight <laughs> different tailors. <laughs> Um, to the first Taylor, the second Taylor, the Taylors are sad. The song opens with No One Loves Me. The second Taylor sings this.
1: Oh. Um,
0: so the Taylors are very sad.
1: Maybe because like in their industry, it's just like one after the other, revolving door of Taylors. Well, it's think a very so. I think it was, saturated industry I think it was, at the time. Well, I
0: think it, at least in this town, it's an oversaturated <laughs> market. There's eight of them. Yeah, That's right. Too many.
1: <laughs> Nobody loves my work.
0: No one loves no. my work. So Burgess <laughs> Meredith, Miss, uh, Larry rather, keeps on going around. To the various tailors trying to get his pants hemmed, <laughs> and none of them can do it because they're all sad. There's not enough work. Oh. They're, um, the industry is oversaturated.
1: Right. Until so they become complacent. They is become what you're complacent.
0: Saying. <laughs> if I had to guess, after that, Larry G. Gu- he comes. He comes home. He comes back to his house, and he says okay. to his wife, Mrs. Larry. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Larry, I can't get these pants. I'm sorry, my pants are just. They're always going to be too long. They're never going to be. They're never going to be hemmed. And Mrs. Larry says, No. I can help. I've got my friend. She's a widow. Her, um, her husband passed away, but she's better than any other tailor. She can help you out.
1: Ooh, cool. Larry
0: says, great. I love it. There is a song called A Cup of Tea that Larry, Mrs. Larry, the widow, and Seamus and the doctor, who are uh, two other characters, Who so I, I don't have time to get into their plot now. But what is important is that the widow calls forward these fates. It's a, there's a oh. supernatural element. Oh, this is cool. the, end of, the end of act one is she calls forward the three old ladies from Hades, and the um, the act one ends, I can see right here, with Dance of the Fates, which is the seventh tailor. The widow is the seventh tailor. Oh. They're they're the same character, even though they have two different names, and were played by two different actors. It's wild. Wow. Um, (laughs) And act one ends with the Dance of the Fates, Act two. Things are great. Yeah. Larry's pants are hemmed. Yeah. Mrs. Larry is happy <laughs> because life. the bottom of his pants aren't getting dirty. Life is good. But wait.
1: Oh no! Start
0: of Act two. All the tailors sing a song called "The Dirty Dog."
1: Oh, they're mad. Are they mad at they're him? They're
0: upset. Yeah. They're grumpy that he um <laughs> he subverted the tailor industry <laughs> in this town. Um. There's this subplot that I, once again, I don't want to get into it because yeah. it's a little obscure, but it's um, Seamus sings the flatulent ballad. Oh, um, he's right. Got a, um, he's got IBS and it's a whole thing.
1: And maybe there's like a love thing attached to that.
0: Oh, I'm sure there is. So act two, the coalition of Taylors uh-huh. goes after Mrs. Larry because she's the one who oh. took him to the widow. So we have the loyalist wife and a song called Oh, Mrs. Larry that the Taylors and Mrs. Larry sing together where the tailors oh. sing. Oh, Mrs. Larry, uh, we're going to get you.
1: Oh, so they're, they have torches?
0: Yes, yeah. They're not. Yeah, yeah. They're not happy. It's very um, much
1: like kill the beast, but
0: this is actually um, this yeah. is where Alan Mencken got the idea <laughs> <laughs> was from Happy as Larry. Right. Yeah. Um, so this continues for a while. The um, the fates are out of this at this point. There's no more fates. The fates were just in Act One because Act Two is a thrilling political drama. Essentially, Ooh. It's, they're playing 4D chess. The Taylors and Mrs. Larry and Larry all trying to trap each other in a, um, well, so it's more of a legal battle than anything. <laughs> um, so it's
1: now a courtroom drama.
0: It's a, it's a, well, exactly. So we have double murder, double death.
1: Oh, right. where the yes. fifth tailor
0: tries to frame tries to frame Mrs. Larry we have wow. he's a bold rogue where Mrs. Larry explains Larry's the <sighs> impetus right. Larry is um, Larry's so bold and his pants just kept on getting dirty at the bottom because yeah. he's a dirty dog yeah um, so oh, we just okay. had to hem them up and then finally Larry sings the heartfelt ballad I remember her where he sings about the Mrs. Larry that he once knew before this all this business started. Mrs. Larry used to be a happy, wonderful, supportive partner, but this legal battle and um, supernatural um, situation has taken a toll on her. (laughs) Mrs. Larry realizes that this has taken a toll, comes back to Larry. They reunite and Larry and the Taylors sing a finale where they promise to try to work together in the future. It doesn't really wrap up super well. I think this might be part of the reason it didn't run for very long. It's not a super satisfying ending. It never addresses the fact that there's eight tailors and only three other people living in the town, and that's right. too many tailors. <laughs> um, anyways, there's a finale yeah. where they celebrate the fact that now everyone is as happy as, as Larry. Larry.
1: So it's sort of a commentary on a uh, tailor's union.
0: Well it's a commentary on unions everywhere.
1: Yeah, unions really, everywhere. Really it's a yeah. it's
0: um <laughs> is it pro union? Is it anti union?
1: Well that's for for you to decide. That's exactly. It
0: tries to stay ambiguous, <laughs> I believe.
1: Wow, Paul, <laughs> that was incredible. Right?
0: It, well, it's an incredible show. What's it actually about? Well I, I'm okay. so curious. So
1: <laughs> So, I kind of like your version because it had um, like tastes of the Into the Woods structure where it's like you think <laughs> act one is like it has a decent button and then it just yeah, completely totally, shifts totally. <laughs> for act two. So. so, in Happy
0: as Larry Jr., they usually only prefer yes, act one. They
1: only do act one. <laughs> so, I managed to find this synopsis on um, playbill.com. I'm so curious. An Irish tailor. It's important that he's Irish. Totally discusses marriage with his friends and tells the story of his grandfather, who was poisoned by a doctor in love with his wife. But there we go. through various fantastical coincidences, he comes back to life, a widower, and marries a seemingly nicer but marriage-desperate widow.
0: There's the widow. So, so maybe important that he's Irish because he's Seamus.
1: Right. I think the thing that confuses me is is Larry. The grandfather?
0: Well, I thought Seamus would be. Maybe Seamus is his friend or something?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Oh. So the synopsis actually confuses me. Who are, the, who are me. the fates? Right.
0: Why are there so many tailors? Why are, There's eight of them. <laughs> <laughs> Why does Seamus fart so much? They had to have a whole song yeah, about it. Yeah, what
1: is that? What's about? going on? Yeah. So that's what I found. And that it answers sort of very like, few questions. It has a bit of like a Walter Mitty feel to me, oh, where sure. it's like. Yeah. The fantastical element of this story, yeah, and I kind of get the impression that it's like, here, sit down, gather around the fire, and let me tell you about this thing, which that's not bad. Yeah, Um, there's a little
0: bit of that in Big Fish as well.
1: Yeah, and Leap of Faith,
0: right? Yeah, totally. (laughs) But that
1: was like to an extreme. Yeah, this one I think makes more sense. Big Fish
0: does it pretty well. Leap of Faith, as we discussed, does it um, not quite as effectively?
1: Right. Yeah, and I think. I, I mean, I don't know. We we can only speculate as to how well this did, but I would imagine it just didn't work too well. <laughs>
0: I have to assume, just based on based on that, it sounds very bizarre. Wow! And yeah. it ran for three what, three, three performances. performances.
1: Yeah. A part of me wonders if it had something to do with the cast, because sure. like at the time, Burgess Meredith had already done a decent amount of stuff. Like yep. I think he was about fifteen, at least fifteen years into his. Broadway career. That's my
0: that's my understanding as well. There's yeah. uh, he's well, well into a ton of a ton of stuff. He's a legend.
1: Right already. Yeah. But then like the other actors I found, like one of them was an opera singer. Sure. Marguerite Piazza. Yeah. Who I was like, oh, maybe that was confusing to people, having an opera singer do what would have been a contemporary musical in nineteen fifty. So I don't know.
0: I think it's a bizarre time as well where Broadway's just emerging. From the Golden Age.
1: That is true. Yeah. Um,
0: We've had um, Rodgers and Hammerstein Mm -hmm. taking the the world by storm already.
1: That's right. A couple times. 49, like Brigadoon happened, right? Like just before this. And same with South Pacific.
0: This is at this bizarre time in Broadway where it's right at the apex of the Golden Age of musical theater. Yeah. And I think for that reason... There's some composers like Rogers and Hammerstein who are really nailing it, mm-hmm. and other composers who are still because this is still a relatively nascent art form. Yes, who are still really trying to figure out how does this work? Mm-hmm. What is what's going on here? What's how do we use this this art form of um of musical narrative style storytelling? Mm-hmm. What makes it different from opera? What makes it the same in opera? That's How do a great you do point. something like magical realism comedy? Right. I would potentially chalk it up to a, a noble swing, but a swing and a miss.
1: That's a good idea. Yeah, that's a really good observation because if we look back on what was successful at the time, it was these big romances, yeah. you know?
0: Brigadoon has this weird supernatural element. Yeah. Like it's this town that appears every freaking whatever, how many years?
1: And to me, that's what is engaging about it before yeah. you see it but yeah. it's not the coolest part about it when you're watching it.
0: Right.
1: So maybe Happy as Larry where you're like, ooh, there is a supernatural element cool. Yeah. And if that's the coolest thing about it and it's not executed well, maybe that's also a yeah. problem.
0: Absolutely. And once again, I think it's not, it's worth mentioning. It's not a good idea to direct something and be in it at the same time. <laughs> to direct something and star in it.
1: I mean, we haven't seen that work yet.
0: Literally on the most basic level. Isn't it just better to sit, be able to sit in the audience and see what the audience has seen rather than being on stage? Yes. Let's. That seems. That seems fundamental. Otherwise, who's going to say no? That looks bad.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> you cannot know. Exactly. Okay, Tonys. We got to yes. talk about the Tonys. Yes. What, so what was going on? This oh year? my gosh, Paul. So you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about these. Um, the Golden Age of Musical Theater. Yes. So the fourth annual Tony Awards. Oh, geez.
0: I'm looking at this right now. Was
1: on April 9th, 1950. Yep. Hosted by Humphrey Bogart.
0: Wow! 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 Isn't
1: that incredible? That's so cool. Yeah. So the big the big winners were South Pacific and South Pacific.
0: That's <laughs> so funny. I see. There's a special presentation by Eleanor Roosevelt.
1: Oh, how nice! Isn't it?
0: <laughs> South Pacific, Come Back Little Sheba's in play.
1: Yeah, so just um, some unknowns.
0: Yeah, wow. and there
1: were very few categories, and it seemed like they were split into production, performance, and craft.
0: This is so cool. I remember a couple months ago we did a um, we did a Broadway trivia night with
1: yes we um, did
0: dear friend of the podcast Ryan Siegel. It mm-hmm. was very fun, and the category the whole thing was centered around the Tony Awards.
1: And it was so hard. And it was
0: <laughs> and it was it was it was very challenging. And talking about. The first Tony Awards was especially fascinating Mm -hmm. at how how different they were from what the Tonys have become. Yes. I think that's so cool.
1: Like, I get the impression it was like a luncheon Yeah, in its early days. As opposed to... As opposed to like a big thing, like the Academy Awards. Like, it's on that level now.
0: It absolutely is.
1: I would love to be a fly on the wall for one of those Tonys.
0: That is happy (laughs) as Larry. Four performances. Not only did it not crack 100, it didn't crack 10. Wow. So, Happy as Larry, do we do we want to revive or do we want to let it die? But.
1: My gut instinct is to just let it be yeah. to die. Because I think other musicals came along that used these conventions better. So, let's stick with those ones and let's let Happy as Larry just be happy in the past.
0: I... Disagree. This sounds so bananas, and there's so wait. Your
1: version or the real version?
0: Either, like I, either can be equally derived from yeah. the information we have. I just want to know. I actually, like, nope. I take it back. Yes, it should just let. We should just let it lie. Mm-hmm. Revive or let it live, um, <laughs> because there's no way that the real version could measure up to what I've already built it up to in my exactly. Head. Yeah. Let. Happy As Larry be this incredible, bananas, off-the-wall, fascinating piece of Broadway history.
1: Like a relic.
0: Rather than getting to watch it and have it potentially just be, oh, that's kind of medium.
1: That's a really good point.
0: Yeah. So (laughs) that's Happy As Larry. You know what else didn't crack 10 performances on Broadway? What? A Broadway musical. Which one? (laughs) No, it's a Broadway musical.
1: Okay, but like which one?
0: That's what it's called. Title of the show is Charles Strauss's A Broadway Musical.
1: <laughs> da, 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 da. Who's on first? Third
0: base. <laughs> okay. Which is, by the way, very challenging to research. A show called A Broadway Musical. Here we go. Yes. All right.
1: <laughs> Previews began at the Lunt fontanne Theatre on December 8th, 1978. It opened on December 21st, 1978 and closed... On December twenty first, nineteen seventy eight, after fourteen previews and one performance,
0: one performance,
1: one. I think that's our lowest.
0: Yeah, it. Um, I mean, how do you
1: get any lower than that?
0: But it also <laughs> it ran off Broadway for a little bit first.
1: Oh, it did.
0: From what I understand, oh, it um had a nice, a tidy little twenty six oh, performance yes, run it off is. Broadway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it lived there a little bit. It's also the music is by dear friend of the podcast, Charles Strauss.
1: Our most talked about composer. Our most
0: talked about composer, quite frankly, even after this, we're going to talk about a fair bit.
1: Yeah. So where do we begin?
0: So there (laughs) is a recording for this. I was not able to find it, but apparently a live recording of the show from the theater was made at some point. Wonderful. I'd be really excited to be able to find it sometime. Yeah. I was able to find some some B-roll archival video. It was like a collection of reviews
1: Mm. I ended
0: up finding. So I saw... Characters, with lots of, lots of gold lame kind of really. Disco. Disco or like, like that classic chorus line style look. You know what I mean?
1: Glitz. The glitz. glitz. Yeah. Like yeah. a super,
0: super glitzy. I have to assume, once again, found a song list, a character list. Yep. That this is a kind of a meta show.
1: Oh. This is a, a,
0: a musical about musicals or about making a Broadway musical. Okay. Because we got characters like the rehearsal pianist, mm-hmm. the theater party associate. Yes. This is the biggest cast of the three that we're covering. That's right. This cast is quite big. Mm -hmm. With that said, let me tell you what a Broadway musical is about based on this extensive research that I was able to do. (laughs) The main character is... Richie Taylor, who is played by Larry Marshall. Actually quite an accomplished Broadway performer. Yeah. (laughs) So there's that. (laughs) So, Richie Taylor stars in a Broadway musical... Where in the opening number, Broadway, Broadway,
1: is it actually? That's Broadway? what it's
0: called, Broadway, Broadway. He sings about how much he loves Broadway. It's it's actually him as a little kid. There's a oh, little kid first. Oh, nice, Sings okay. about how one day I'm gonna make it on Broadway, Broadway. Then flash forward 25 years, where <laughs> he's older. He's a Broadway star. He's mm. a Broadway star who directs and stars in his own Broadway musical. Oh, musicals. he's a Burgess
1: Meredith type.
0: He's a Burgess Meredith <laughs> type, exactly. Um, and he sings. Him and the ensemble. Mm -hmm. This is kind of, it segues into the second, a Broadway musical, which is the second song in the show. Right. Where he sings about how this is it. He's been toiling away in regional theaters and off-Broadway productions. And here he is. It's time to make a Broadway musical his dream. So, he falls in love with a woman. Of course. Of course, as one does. (laughs) Um... He's been in love with this woman for a little while, actually. Okay. So This is established. This is the first time we meet her, but they've been they've been in a relationship for a while. Okay,
1: And Great. she says,
0: you're spending too much time on this Broadway musical. Oh, yeah. He says, no, no matter how much I work on this Broadway musical, I always, I hurry home to you.
1: This oh, is, um, it's, that it's sounds a, it's a like it would be a beautiful song. It's a beautiful
0: ballad. Oh, yeah. I love it. It's Charles Strauss at his best. It's um, It recalls Annie at its finest.
1: <laughs> I wonder what that would sound like.
0: No matter what happens, I hurry home to you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> a little jazzy, L- not yep. too jazzy. Absolutely. Yeah. A
0: soaring melody. You're going to leave it oh. humming. You're going to leave it humming. This is the melody you're going to leave the theater humming.
1: Yeah. And he goes yeah. up to like a, something he sings falsetto no the No matter end. what
0: happens, no matter what I yeah. do.
1: Yeah, exactly. No matter what happens, <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> I hurry home, home to you. To you. <laughs> exactly. <Yep. laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Wow, and it's a good gorgeous. thing. It's beautiful because then things go wrong. There's he gets Ooh. accused of plagiarism. Oh Him my and his his, his his composing team get accused of plagiarism, and in come the lawyers, and they sing <laughs> the song. There's a lawyer a song called Lawyers. So they <laughs> they sing. They have briefcases, they have fedoras, yes. all sorts of um all sorts of choreography. of it's, it's esque, really, because yeah. oh, this is absolutely. the um, late 1970s. So there's lots of the lawyer's standstill, but one hand moves. Yeah,
1: isolations yep. everywhere. super
0: tons of isolation. Yeah. <laughs> um, Fosse was actually grumpy about this, uh, yeah, about this show. Like, hey, he yeah, hey, that's my intellectual property. That's right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Larry says, no, let me sing my song.
1: Oh, is that a... <laughs> that's the next song. That's the oh. next song.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. Are they in the
1: courtroom for this as oh, well? Well, they,
0: well they, it's, a, see, it's a political drama. Is yeah. It's a courtroom drama. <laughs> <laughs> And then we get to the end of Act 1, where we have a reprise of Let Me Sing My Song, followed by a reprise of a Broadway musical. Mm. Whereas the first Broadway musical was very fast, was, I want to be in a Broadway musical. I want to see the lights on the stage. (laughs) Um, This is... (laughs) I want to be in a Broadway
1: musical. Right. Ding, ding, and it's, ding, and ding, he's questioning ding, ding. it this time. He's Because it. Do he's I, in do jail for plagiarism.
0: Is, is it worth all this hassle? My name's getting wrapped <laughs> yeah. through the mud. My, um, my partner, who I hurry home to, is very grumpy. Yeah. Is very sad. I don't
1: hurry fast enough. I
0: can't hurry fast enough. Yeah. End of act one. Ultra act. Then we get to the top of act two. the 1934 hot chocolate jazz babies review.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah, Which yeah, yeah. Which is
0: the, um, well, it's, it's another show that his composing team pitches to him. They're um, like,
1: how about instead they're like, of yeah, that? We,
0: we got to get, we got to be done with this. Why don't instead we do the 1934 Hot Chocolate Jazz Babies Review? This is a new idea. He says, no, a Broadway musical is my dream. And this is what we're going to do. Yes. And so instead his composing team says, fair enough. It's time for a cheer up song and they sing a cheer up song. It's okay. It's not Charles Strauss's best if I'm just being honest. But it's like a honest. tap. Yeah, well yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah we all uh, need
1: a tap in act 2.
0: Yeah. Next no, it's not a tap. Oh. That's more of a three-part duet because the tap comes next for the song you got to have dancing.
1: Oh, okay, see it's segues directly. It's, it's, ex- it's another yeah. one of those
0: segues. Yeah. I got it. Um you got to have dancing and so they they go and they march back into the courtroom determined. They are determined <laughs> to produce this show and there's a <laughs> One more reprise of "Let me sing my song, oh, great this time it is his him and his whole team, and they make a case that they're they're the um his good name is just being drugged drag, dragged, drug
1: Dra- dragged
0: It's being dragged through the mud, and they refuse to have to have it happen anymore,
1: right. And so this is like a, it's hard to speak my heart.
0: It's exactly that. yeah, same emotional resonance, same stakes. yeah, um <laughs>
1: more falsetto more falsetto
0: absolutely. <laughs> the judge says. Fair enough. Case dismissed. Gavel. (gasps) Boom. Cut to six months later. Smashing New York Times. Uh, It's the name of the song. It's a review song.
1: Oh my God. There was actually,
0: there was a like, there was Gobos. uh, There was Gobos at the time that made it look like a newspaper.
1: Yes. Boom, 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 (laughs) boom. Yeah. That's the spinning newspaper. That's the spinning newspaper going
0: reviews. Yeah. A Broadway musical is a huge success. (laughs) But wait. We're almost at the end of the show. This is the 11 o'clock number. His, uh, His wife says, I can't do this anymore. This show has taken too much. <gasps> I can't do this. And he sings, Don't Tell Me.
1: Oh. It's
0: beautiful. He doesn't, he can't, he just can't bear to hear it.
1: It seems to me that the wife in this show only is there to stomp on his dreams. Well, see, And the, she doesn't get her own songs. People
0: people thought that at the time. It's actually, she's actually a powerful <laughs> character. She, she has her own dreams. If yeah. I, based on my listening to it anyway, I'm not super familiar with this show. <laughs> but uh, I think she is a She's a powerful character and a sympathetic character. She's mm. not so much, oh, you can't do a Broadway musical. She's you need to have a good work-life balance. balance. Oh, sure. I think, if, sure. if anything, I admire her as a character. That's a good, yeah. that's
1: a great point. Because Absolutely. Because that is important. It's
0: very important. Oh. And it's something that um, a Broadway musical here explores. Yep. Because eventually we get to the last song of the show, which is Together, where our two main characters find themselves in a passionate embrace, hmm. knowing that no matter what happens to Broadway and the courtroom, wherever it may occur, together they will succeed.
1: And everyone comes back.
0: Everyone comes back. Together, together, <laughs> you're always together.
1: <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> wow, oh, It's Paul. great.
0: I'm surprised it only ran
1: one performance.
0: Because one performance. <laughs> wow.
1: Honestly though that doesn't sound like the worst thing ever. Your version.
0: Fair enough. What's it actually about?
1: Okay, so playbill.com says, "A Broadway musical is about the trials and tribulations of putting on a Broadway musical." Like that's it. But then I did a little digging and I found out that it was like based on Strauss's Strauss and Adams, right? Cuz I think it's the yep, same that's correct. pair. So Strauss and Adams's experience writing their other flop, Golden Boy. Yes and about their working with Sammy Davis Jr.
0: Yes.
1: So it's like a semi autobiographical musical about well, that really experience. That's really fascinating. So fascinating. And they wanted to make it like The Wiz sure. because The Wiz was like a huge hit at the time and so they were aiming to replicate the amazing things about The Wiz.
0: Absolutely, especially amplifying African American stars on the stage. That's something that's just starting to happen right. in Broadway at that time. Yeah.
1: But they don't have any black artists on the production team. Oh, that's no good. Okay, but they do at first. So they have an out-of-town oh, no. tryout. Yeah. And George Faison, Yeah. amazing, amazing dancer, choreographer, Absolutely. director, creator, yeah. is the director. Terrific. And then he gets fired
0: oh, no. after this
1: out-of-town trial. And they, cal- they call in Gower Champion... To take over yeah. this production, but he says that it's, quote, like too far gone or something mm. at that point. And so he refuses to be called the director and wow, just, wow, 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 wow. and chooses to just be called production supervisor. Wow. Yeah. Which I thought was just like mean. Sure.
0: So something is potentially fundamentally wrong yeah. with the bones of this production at this point.
1: Absolutely. They lost a million dollars. Yeah, which I mean, in 1978, yep, would be like
0: four million dollars.
1: That's a lot of money. Yeah, lost a bunch of money.
0: Wow, and it's kind of like we speculated it is this super meta thing of um, that's right a team making a musical that strongly resembles Golden Boy,
1: and that one didn't work. No, so why would you think that? Oh, let's do a musical about that musical that didn't work.
0: It's just a few years after Chorus Line, right? Yeah. So they've had this this meta show. Right. And it's become the right. biggest hit <laughs> at the time, right? Um, yes. A show that's about, that's based on kind of this inside baseball take exactly. on the creation of a Broadway musical. Like, I can see where they're going a little bit more now. I don't think it's prudent. Right. Whereas what makes, what makes a Chorus Line so charming is it's, derived from these really candid interviews with these yes. uh, with these workers.
1: And each person in a chorus line gets a moment to um, have their story heard. Yeah. And I wonder if in this, that just like wasn't a thing. Like the perspective sense of it.
0: What makes chorus line so charming? I love chorus line. probably my favorite musical of all time.
1: One of mine too. Um,
0: is it's not about the show at all. The show's not even named. Who cares about the show? <laughs> it's, it's about each character and their their individual journey and finding out more about these characters. Mm -hmm. And then specifically about Cassie and Zach and finding out about them and their relationship. But the show is secondary. And so just speculating, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: knowing this show and knowing knowing Charles Strauss as a writer, is it possible that (laughs) they maybe picked up on the wrong things that made Chorus Line so charming? Yeah. Probably the wrong things that made The Wiz so charming as well. Right. Um, And... Tried to capitalize on the success of those two brilliant shows, not super well.
1: I think that's exactly what happened. Yeah.
0: What was going on with the Tonys this year?
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. So this was the 33rd Tony Awards.
0: And the Tonys are starting to look like the Tonys we know and love now.
1: I think so. Yeah. yeah it because seems like it, it was at the Schubert Theater on June 3rd, 1979, yeah. hosted by Jane Alexander, Henry Fonda, yes. and Liv Ullman.
0: And it says musicals represented, so I think musicals are starting are performing at this point.
1: Yes. Okay, this is good news. Oh,
0: holy shit, what a so, year. So, okay. I just, I just looked at the list. So, so this is the year that Sweeney Todd took it.
1: Yeah!
0: Um. Against Ballroom, Best Little Whorehouse, and they're playing our song. Yes. So this is if, in the 1950s, Broadway was just starting to figure out its identity within the Golden Age.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Broadway has solidly found its identity at this point. Holy crap. Yes. Wow.
1: And more than that has yes. flipped... The structure completely on its head.
0: Yep, because absolutely.
1: okay, we know what what the quote unquote classic Broadway musical is now. Yep, let's see what we can do with it. How do we stretch it?
0: This is so cool,
1: right? What
0: a cool year.
1: So Sweeney was obviously the big winner.
0: Yeah, taking it left and, and well deserved. Um, Hal Prince takes um, best direction.
1: Yes, as he should. As he
0: should. And
1: yeah. Angela Lansbury. Of course. I mean, sweeping. Although. Best Little Whorehouse got both of the featured actor and actress awards. So that's saying something.
0: What a fascinating Tony year.
1: Yeah. It's like I said, it's when things start to, you know, get shaken up a little bit.
0: I agree. All of this to say, it's no surprise that a weird concept show (laughs) like this that's clearly not functioning properly wouldn't even be able to make a dent in the Tony Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Also, terrible name. A yeah. Broadway musical. Terrible in this day and age when I was trying to Google it online. I'm oh sure my terrible gosh. At, <laughs> I know. I'm sure terrible at the time as well. Yeah. How on earth is your show that's literally just called a Broadway musical supposed to compete with shows called The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas and Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street?
1: I'm just picturing someone going up to like the, yeah. the booth yeah. and saying, hello, I, I would like to that. see a Broadway musical. And then they'd say here's the ticket to Sweeney Todd. Exactly. And, you know?
0: Fair enough. Like, this is the one you want to yeah. see.
1: <laughs> you know? I will do my Abbott and Costello bit. In yeah. Cows, exactly. And you can pry this out of my cold dead hand. It has legs. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, but but like yeah. actually, yeah, I'd like two tickets to a Broadway musical, please. Which one? Fair yeah. enough. You want this yeah. one. Yeah, Sweeney Todd? one?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's the ticket to ballroom. Like it's yeah. just, yeah. I don't know. I could see that being confusing. It's also charming, but it's like that fringe charming, you know? It's yeah. like, I'd go see a Broadway musical at the Fringe Festival.
0: I'm not sure if I'd go see it on Broadway. So, a Broadway musical, mm-hmm. would you revive or let it die? Die. Absolutely. There's no <laughs> question to my, I'm, I'm not interested in seeing this ever. It doesn't, yeah. as we discussed, there's too many shows that do the, the making of a Broadway show yes. well. And yeah. do it really interesting. This is, can't be one of them. Totally. Yeah.
1: Oh, what's our last one?
0: Our last one I'm very excited for (laughs) is Censored Scenes from King Kong. What an incredible name. That is an incredible name for a show.
1: Oh my gosh. Previews began at the Princess Theater on February 26th, 1980. It opened on March 6th, 1980 and closed on March 9th, 1980 after 11 previews and five performances.
0: That's right, everyone. None of the three shows that we are talking about today <laughs> broke ten performances on Broadway.
1: Not even five. I Not think five, five is our, our highest. <sighs> five, three, and one. That's I feel a
0: lot of sympathy for these shows as well. You know how the amount of energy and effort that goes into putting up a show, yes. even a show that maybe hasn't turned out exactly as you envisioned it, it's a it would be a tough blow on anyone mm-hmm. to have a show that you've been given that much um that much love to. To actually getting it to the biggest stage in North America.
1: Absolutely. And
0: not having it um even be seen enough.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of think especially about this one. But let's let's give it a go.
0: This is another one that I found challenging to research. As Mostly, did I. Be- mostly because there is another King Kong Broadway musical.
1: Yes, that, that's right. Um
0: has a very Very interesting history.
1: And that was more recent, like 2018, Mm -hmm. Much more recent. Yeah.
0: A revised... It was in the works for a long time. Mm -hmm. And there's the the most recent revised version. The one that you've probably seen video of, of the crazy cool puppet. Yes. Um, It looks amazing. It came in after Spider-Man to that theater, I believe.
1: That's right. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So
0: here's (laughs) what I know about censored scenes from King Kong. And then based on what I know, here's what I will speculate on the plot.
1: I'm so excited.
0: So... (laughs) I know that there are 8 people in the show. Mhm. I know that one of those people is Carrie Fisher. <gasps> That um,
1: Carrie Fisher?
0: At the height of her popularity. Yes. Um, She's just been in Star Wars at this point. Mm-hmm. Star Wars was, I'm not sure if you knew this, this is a little bit of arcane, um, arcane history, arcane cinema history. Star Wars was a big success.
1: It, it was very, yeah.
0: <laughs> so star Wars was a successful movie. Yeah. And Carrie Fisher became a more popular star because she was in it.
1: In certain clothing that sh- that became iconic, certain yes. outfits. Well,
0: and a certain hairstyle at this point. Oh, as that well. hair! Um,
1: oh, I love her so much.
0: Right. And I know that there are characters. Some characters have names, but there's also a character that is just the voice of the author,
1: and mm, a different character mm-hmm. that
0: is the voice of the producer. So I have to assume there's some meta, <laughs> some meta business that's going on in here as well. Yeah. Finally, I was able to find only a few musical numbers. The names of a few musical numbers. There's definitely no, um, as far as I know, no cast recording made.
1: Mm -hmm. They also called it a play with music. So if you're only seeing a few songs, it's actually probably all the music that was in it.
0: Oh, so fair enough. Okay. Because we have songs called Hacha, Banana Oil, (laughs) He Ain't Scared of Nothing. And then in act two, we've got number one, Soft Shoe Freak, and The Other Side of the Wall.
1: Yeah. So that's probably honestly everything that was in there.
0: Oh, and we have a poster. We have a, a really cool looking poster yes, yes, that yes, also yes. doesn't seem like a Broadway poster at all. It is a, there's a baby grand piano. Okay. And it's open. The body of it is open. And there's a man, yeah. a, young, a young man, but not too young, like yeah. in his 20s or 30s, standing by the piano. And there's two... Two girls who seem like they're maybe twins or something sitting inside the piano. Uh torsos are poking up, but their butts are like inside the piano. Oh,
1: sure. And I'm they sure. all
0: have like those censored bars over their eyes. Oh. Like, you know, from like the Parasite poster from a couple years ago. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. man,
1: I love that movie. And censored
0: scenes from King Kong.
1: So is it it does it look cinematic, this poster?
0: That's made to look like a photograph that they oh, then put it. and made a poster out of. Got it. Yeah. It looks like a poster. If I saw this at the um at the fringe festival, I'd mm-hmm. be like. That's a great poster. For a Broadway musical, I'd be like, really? That's playing on Broadway? (laughs) So, based on this information, I would like to speculate wildly. Here we go. I forgot to mention, the last thing I know, I just, I know from existing that the actual, the the 1930s King Kong Mm -hmm. had a bunch of scenes cut from it famously.
1: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that
0: just as a bit of history. Yeah. So... Uh, that's part of that's what's in play as well. When they say censored scenes from King Kong, yes. they're maybe actually talking about some of these scenes that were not able to be included in the original very famous 1930s King yeah, Kong movie. Very good. So if I had to speculate wildly, this show is about a princess from a <laughs> planet called Alderon, who's been <laughs> captured. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: That jokes for nerds. Yeah, I like the joke's it. that jokes for nerds. Paul, Paul you're yeah. looking for comedy in Alderon Place. Oh yeah. Oh. oh. Da, 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 da.
0: This show is about the Panticini sisters. One of those is Carrie Fisher. Fisher. One of those is Alma Cuervo. Deborah and Iris Fantaccini. And the Fantaccini sisters are cinephiles. Oh, they great. They love movies. Yeah. They love old movies. They love music, movie trivia. And the holy grail for them are these scenes from King Kong that were cut from the original movie. This is a road story. They go on a road trip.
1: Ooh. They
0: go on a road trip because they've um, they've heard that it's a um, kind of like a Pee-wee's Big Adventure thing in the basement of a... Um, <laughs> in the basement of... The Library of Congress.
1: Oh, good. good. We're bringing that back. <laughs> yeah, we're bringing that back. <laughs> These censored it. scenes
0: from King Kong are there, yes. and they need to see them. Yeah. So they embark on a road trip, but they're they're young.
1: They're mm-hmm. um,
0: they're not very old. They're, How old um, would you say? I'd say seventeen. Great. So they um, it's going to be a bit of a. They, they can't just rent a car and travel cross country, right? Because the Library of Congress is in Washington. Yeah. They're in California.
1: Right? Yeah. California to, to Washington. That's a decent hike.
0: Yes. So they <laughs> embark on a... Um, its a, Like I said, it's a road movie. It's kind of Thelma and louise kind of pee oh, sure. big adventure-y.
1: Um, I like that driving out That's
0: why the opening number is Hatcha! Because they're <gasps> hitting the road. Hatcha! Hitting Ooh, the road. In, in a our, convertible. In old car.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so throughout that, it's really kind of... It's a fun laugh a minute. There's not really a plot as much as it's a series of adventures... That like they find that. on this road trip, um, where at one point... They meet a um, they meet a man named Walter Wilma. Oh. And he tries to sell them. He says, I'm not a snake oil salesman. I don't sell snake oil. I sell this special banana oil.
1: Oh. This banana
0: oil will keep it's you awake better. so you can drive all night and get to the Library of Congress. Cool. Um, and so that's where the song Banana Oil comes in.
1: Cool. Okay.
0: Um, they meet other people. They meet like, a I don't know, an alligator salesman. And so
1: <laughs> So wait, so banana oil has nothing to do with trying to get like King Kong to slip.
0: That would have been better. No, It's entirely <laughs> that, <laughs> to get them to
1: be able to drive. That would have
0: been better, but unfortunately, no. <laughs> that's not what it is.
1: That's not what the musical in your head is. Um, so,
0: Walter Wilma. They get along with him so well, though, that he comes along. Oh, I he love joins, that. He Just joins picking the road people trip. people up
1: on the way. <laughs> yep. I exactly. love so now Walter
0: Wilma's in the car. They meet, like I said, a alligator salesperson. A They stay in a motel, and it's a haunted motel. And um,
1: Cool. At
0: a haunted motel, they meet a man named Stephen. Um, and Stephen is—they're um, talking about oh, we this hotel's haunted—and Stephen says sings a song called "He Ain't Scared of Nothing."
1: Oh, um, and he's he ta- like, "Let me prove it. I'll come with you." And then they yep. get in the car. It's like just more people.
0: Absolutely. So now we've got a whole caravan <laughs> yes. traveling to the Library of Congress to find the censored scenes from yep. King Kong. We get to Act Two, sing a song called "Number One." Uh, the the Fantacini sisters want to be the first, number, yeah. the number ones yeah. to be the first one, the first non-Library of Congress employees to see the censored scenes from King Kong. Oh, I love that. Traveling across the country, the car breaks down.
1: Oh, no. What are they
0: going to do? They have to get to the Library of Congress before spring break is over. Yeah. And they have to go back to school. They got to get... <laughs> They're trying to hitch a ride to get someone to fix their car. Right. And this man named Sauvage Cigar stops and says, <laughs> I'm a soft shoe freak. Oh. I I would love to give you a ride, but I need to see a dance. Yeah, and
1: yeah, And they're yeah, like, yeah. what
0: kind of dance? You perv? We don't do that. And he's like, not that kind of no, dance. Don't worry. A real soft I just want to see a soft shoe. I'm oh. a Broadway nerd. Remember
1: Act 2 tap number.
0: Act 2 tap number. And this is where the meta-ness kind of comes in. We've got right. three kind of meta shows that we've been dealing with. I love that. Um, so they do a soft shoe. Sauvage Cigar loves it, gives them a ride into town. They get their transmission replaced. Mm-hmm. Um, they're back on the road.
1: No, the whole time it was like, all you had to do is pour the banana oil in all the car. All you had to do was,
0: <laughs> oh, this transmission shot. You'd, you'd be screwed if you, unless you had some banana oil. And then it's like, Walter Whoa? Wilma's like, oh, wait. <laughs> Finally, yeah. they get there. Oh. And they, um, they, tra- they sneak into the Library of Congress. Yeah. They get down to the basement. They get to the um, the C section for censored scenes from King Kong. Yeah. Uh, it's not there because that's not how you... <laughs> the C
1: for censored. That's, okay, that, yeah, that's, yeah, not, how you, that's not how you
0: file. So they go to the K's <laughs> and there they find it.
1: And they're like, oh, right. <laughs> oh, <yeah."> right.
0: <laughs> and they watch them and they're really boring. Nothing especially controversial or titillating. It's just scenes that didn't look very good so they didn't put them in yeah, the movie. It's
1: like King Kong Falls.
0: Exactly, like, but not off, yeah. the, not off the building. He right, trips. but like trips. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Or, yeah. yeah,
1: on a banana oil.
0: And so, <laughs> the sisters are so distraught. They spent their whole spring break doing <sighs> this. So Walter Wilma, their dear friend Walter, who they've, um, you know, they've had some disagreements with him over the course yeah. of this adventure, but yeah. really they've become, become very close with him. He's a almost a cool uncle. He sings a song called "The Other Side of the Wall" about how the grass is always greener on the other side of the Aww. wall. So sometimes, how yeah. sometimes it is important. To just let things that we are dreaming of be dreams. Sometimes Aww. what they are in our heads, like happy as Larry, what they are in our heads yeah. is better than what they are in real life. And sometimes we should just let things exist wow. in our hearts, and in our, and in our heads, and in our souls, and in our friendships, Aww. and in our love, and, then the and in sisterhood, <laughs> and in America.
1: This goes and on. <laughs> <laughs> A new verse for each concept. <laughs> The real censored scenes from King Kong was the Frenzy Exactly. <laughs> Aww.
0: And that censored scenes from King Kong, it's beautiful.
1: Wow. It's
0: really wow. incredible. Wow.
1: Oh wow. What on
0: earth could censored scenes from King Kong actually be about <laughs> Jill? <laughs>
1: okay, I have two sources for this Great. synopsis. So the first one is of course Playbill.com, who seems to be the only place that has some of these older, uh, more obscure shows. I
0: appreciate their their work um kind of Archiving these things? Yes, yeah.
1: absolutely. So they write, this comedy imagines that scenes cut from the film King Kong actually contain information for secret agents. <laughs> what? So that apparently is like a thing, a rumor rather that circulated because it was on the cover of a magazine, I guess. Okay. In the 70s, it was like a, a lore, I guess. Sure. Associated with it. Yeah. So then on this Tumblr page... Had to do a little bit of a deep dive here. Um, Michael T. Mooney's Tumblr page, uh, he writes, The plot does indeed concern a modern-day investigative journalist coming from Tokyo to London to track down censored scenes from 1933's King Kong.
0: That's probably Walter Wilma.
1: Sure, yeah, there we go. Believing uh, the clips uh, contain secret messages for enemy agents. What? It was also a comedy. In sure. fact, the show was subtitled A Comic Extravaganza, which is generally warning enough that it may not be.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I yeah. agree.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, so my understanding, what I found was because when I searched censored scenes from King Kong, of course, the lore side of things came up, the yeah. speculation side, but then also this article about the BBC came up, which I thought, oh, interesting. I wonder okay. what that's about. So censored scenes from King Kong was actually a television play. Really? Yes, written by the same person who adapted the book for Broadway, Howard Schumann. So he wrote this television play that apparently was only aired one time. Okay. And it was originally made for the BBC's program called 11th Hour.
0: Sure. Okay. And
1: it's like an anthology of television plays. And they also in the same year produced a Carol Churchill. So it's sort of like, yeah, they just produce yeah. sh- shows. Very cool. Which I think in theory is a really great idea. I agree. Um, but people sort of saw this King Kong television play comedy thing. And they were like, whoa, this is bad. This is... Someone said it was as bad as the cult classic Rocky Horror picture show. <laughs> sure, fair enough. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, this person maybe just doesn't get it. And that's okay. Right.
0: Because at the time, that was kind of the prevailing prevailing um, feeling about Rocky Horror. That's right. You don't get it unless you really get it.
1: Yes. Yeah. And so I imagine that this is much the same.
0: Sure. And
1: how cool is that? It's to kinda... think that there's like a possible cult classic in here somewhere, you yeah. know? Yeah. So... It was a mixture of comedy and satire and songs and melodrama and it was shot and acted in a highly stylized way.
0: This is the BBC version. This still. is the these yeah. are
1: all comments relating to the BBC version right. which I imagine hold true for the Broadway just based on the fact that it's the same book writer. so I would I would guess that yeah. it, they tried to keep that the essence of that alive.
0: I'm inclined to agree probably. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So
0: Secret Where do the sisters come in? That's so I don't old. know oh I-, I would really be interested in seeing this this BBC broadcast if anyone can find it, we'll do like a live a live watch.
1: oh yeah, and everyone
0: can watch with us it'll be great.
1: Oh that would be really wow. fun. so that's how it existed in its inception sure. and, and its first life and then it came to Broadway
0: with Carrie Fisher with
1: Carrie Fisher as one of these
0: <laughs> sisters so I have to and the sisters are in a whole bunch of the numbers. I have to assume the sisters are a bigger part
1: yeah. I'm not sure how they they factor into this story. Wow. but the cast really was stacked for this time. Yes, yeah, yes. So we had Stephen Collins, whom you may know from Seventh Heaven as the dad. Um, we have, of course, Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Alma Cuervo, who has done so much Broadway, like so much, I can't even explain. Cabaret Titanic. Women on the verge. like
0: on your feet just recently. Yeah. Eh?
1: like, so much Broadway. And then we have Chris Sarandon, Prince Humperdinck. Right. like (gasps) Chris Sarandon. I can't even explain to you. This cast is, and they even say that it was unusually stacked. Like this was not usual for the time to have this many, you know, top bill names. In this
0: bizarre thing that has been on the BBC once and no one liked it. No one got it. Right. Fascinating. (laughs) And And it didn't help. There was no. Not at all. A cool title and star power couldn't carry it.
1: So one more little thing. Yes. Besides the reviews, which yep. I tried to find like an actual review and I couldn't, but on, on Michael T. Mooney's Tumblr account, he wrote some quotes th- from reviewers. So thank thank you, Michael T. Mooney. Yep. Uh, quote, a lousy evening. The worst. <laughs> the worst. Quote, if this is what wowed, wowed them in London, then London should be arrested on drug charges. <laughs> <laughs> and then... As I'm scrolling through Broadway World, and one person, they asked if anyone had seen it. Sure. Here it says, I did see censored scenes from King Kong. I remember enjoying it immensely. It was bizarre, but fascinating. And Carrie Fisher was surprisingly good. So I think there's a cult classic in there.
0: Yeah. And it just, something didn't click and it didn't become what Rocky Horror became or something. Right. So what was going on at the Tonys this year? That might provide some context for what happened here
1: so this is the 34th tony awards yeah june 8th 1980 uh hosted by mary tyler moore and jason robards so our best musical nominees yes were sugar babies barnum a day in hollywood a night in the ukraine and the winner evita
0: fascinating
1: so that is a big sound from Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. My guess is that a show with six songs or eight songs in it just can't compete.
0: I'm inclined to agree. Hal Prince takes Best Direction this year as well for Evita.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Hal. Oh. Mandy Patinkin.
0: Mandy Patinkin's in play here too. Jeez, the whole um, the whole uh, Princess Bride cast. Yes. Is show enough to oh play. Oh my
1: gosh, everyone's there.
0: This is the first one of the three we've discussed where I can't quite see a clear path based on historical context, at least, as to why this didn't do better. I think it maybe must have something to do with the actual content of the show not quite working properly Mm -hmm. because, you know, something weird and offbeat at this time is not impossible to swallow. Right. That's kind of what's happening. It's got star power behind it. Yeah. Is it possible? It was just really weird?
1: That's my gut. It sounds weird. I mean, the premise alone is really strange. Yeah. And not in a bad way. I just think that if you are going to see a Broadway musical in 1980, so you're probably not choosing the yeah. spy show.
0: <laughs> and once again, Avita and Patti LuPone is yeah. just destroying
1: it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So just not high on anyone's list.
0: But still, four performances is brutal. For four performances, you're dead out the gate. You know what I mean? You've already made that decision long before you actually opened.
1: That's right.
0: And you are maybe hoping for some kind of Hail Mary, beautiful, (laughs) miraculous reviews to happen or something. I don't know.
1: I feel like there's this weird sense that theater is like dying out, you know? It's like a dying art form and no one's going to see shows anymore. But then we researched these shows that had, you know, three or four performances And our shortest contemporary runs are like 20 performances. Absolutely. And that's still like a couple of weeks of work for people, you know? And I think to to just say that theater feels like it's dying. I don't know if that's even real. (laughs) I don't even know if that's true. Because
0: none of these, these all die out. We're always able to point to competition. Yeah. These died out because these other shows were doing so well. They were taking these enormous audiences.
1: Yes. You know what I mean? It's never
0: this show died out because people were not interested in seeing live performance. Yeah. All this to say, even with an actual global pandemic, we're starting to talk about Bringing the live shows back. Yeah. I can't imagine a world where the result is, oh, people just weren't interested in seeing live performance anymore. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the case in the 1980s. That wasn't the case in the mid-2000s. Yep. And that's not going to be the case coming up. No. I cannot wait to go to New York mm-hmm. and Stratford and Shaw and yep. Toronto and... um Freaking London and Winnipeg. <laughs> well, and, you know. Well, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm going to yeah. be in Winnipeg one way or another, but I can't. <laughs> I can't wait to go to these other sectors because yes. everything trickles down to us at the smaller regional level. Right. Um. I cannot wait to go and celebrate the shit out of shows. Yes. Personally, I don't care what I see. Show me nothing oh, yeah. but like four-hour Chekhov epics that are dreary examinations <laughs> of the human yeah, I might condition. Skip that. I will cheer. Yeah, will. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'd rather see, I'd also prefer to see something dumb and loud that just makes me feel good yeah. um, in this day and age. But one way or another, bring it on. I just yeah. want to.
1: Oh, you want to see bring it on? You yes, got it. No, yes, I do.
0: Twice. <laughs> I'll see it twice.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> wow. Okay. Yes. Well, what about this show, Censored Scenes? Should we revive or die?
0: I think we should revive. I think there's, like you said, there's potential here.
1: I think so too. And I can't.
0: I'm mostly. I'm just curious. This is the out of these three. This is the first one where I don't. I don't get it without seeing it mm-hmm. and re- or reading it. Yeah, I can't quite see what went wrong. Right. And the the curious part of me wants to know exactly what was going on there. So I want to revive so I can see it.
1: Yep, I feel the same. Yeah, I'm so intrigued. Absolutely. I want to choreograph the soft shoe.
0: The the soft shoe freak.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Let's do it. Jillian Willems? Paul Dickers. We did it. Oh my gosh, you did it! I feel like I just sat here and enjoyed your uh, s- synopses.
0: Oh, and that's what I—that's what I love about these episodes. It's a chance yeah. to really explore, and I really—I'm really interested in for our listeners out there. I'm really interested in this not being the end of the conversation about these musicals. Yes, absolutely. This is where we started. I'd love to know more.
1: Yeah. If you have some additional information, things that we yeah. didn't cover, uh, little bits of trivia that you know, please, please yeah. connect with us on yeah. Instagram, Twitter, Gmail. I Monkeys play. Daphne Monkeys will and tell you pod. Daphne she knows everything. Monks
0: and Playbills pod? Yeah. You can rate, <laughs> review, subscribe. Those are all ways you can help us. If you happen to be very lucky and have a little bit of extra cash lying around, You can donate to our Patreon. We will create content if you support our Patreon. Um, Some possible content that we're thinking about includes talking about musicals that ran more than 100 performances on Broadway, doing live watches of shows, doing live recordings. You can actually watch us sit here and record these podcasts, see our beautiful faces. It's very fun.
1: My face is okay.
0: My face is is mostly beard right now. (laughs)
1: I mean, um, none of us are wearing pants. None of us are wearing oh, pants. Yeah. Well, you won't be able to see
0: that in the um, in the video, though. So don't don't oh, subscribe that. Oh, that's what kind that. of
1: Patreon we are. Well, exactly yeah. <laughs> that moves us into
0: a different type of Patreon? Yeah, <laughs> it's
1: called the OnlyFans. Hey, I'm fine with that. <laughs> it's work.
0: Any any part in a storm Woo. at this point, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. Hi everyone. This is producer Daphne speaking. Thank you all so much for listening to Monkeys and Playbills, the show where we take a look at Broadway musicals that had 100 performances or fewer before closing. To learn more about the show, you can follow us on Instagram at monkeysandplaybillspod, on Twitter at monkeyplaybills, or email us at monkeysandplaybillspod at gmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash monkeysandplaybills. Monkeys and Playbells is proud to be a Village Conservatory for Music Theatre podcast. Original music for the show is provided by Paul Degers, and the show is produced and edited by Daphne Finlayson. Thank you all so much for listening, and join us next week where we take on Everyday Rapture.